Hello and welcome to the Forums podcast for Monday the 20th of June. We're back after our summer holidays and joining me is Assistant Editor Steve Withers. Newcomb. News Editor Mark Hodgkinson. Picked a hell of a day to quit drinking. Audio Reviewer Ed Selly. I'm a combat pilot, Will. I belong in the air. And Mark Portwright. Forget the fat lady. So, um, England still in the Euros, it looks. I, I thought they were going out yesterday. I have, I have to say, I thought, uh, and I thought it was going to be a draw and that would have been it for you guys. Scraped through just with its skinnier teeth against the mighty whales. Would that have <laughs> yeah. been it? No, uh, been they, well, they would have been. They would have had to go and do something. You know, score like eighty-six goals against. Yeah. Slovakia. No, no, because third place can get through. Can't yeah, it, it, it's not quite, would have been been quite as fun. But fundamentally, it probably would. If if um if uh, man owl hybrid Roy Hodgson hadn't actually managed to win that one <laughs> yesterday, he'd have um I think he'd have been in a spotted bother. Yeah, but the yeah just a bit. Been glorious. <laughs> yeah, and of course, no gloating. Yeah, I, I thought the home nations have done really well. I mean, did anybody see the Northern Ireland game? That I was, saw bits really of it. Well. That yeah. was fantastic. Yeah, uh, good to see the home nations doing well, and and hopefully, a good chance that all of them might qualify to the next round. Well, I was just going to say, Steve. Hopefully, we'll still be talking about them next uh, next week when we're talking about the podcast. And um, we are three episodes into Top Gear. Now, it was the last podcast we did where we were discussing what we thought of. Um, of the first one and it didn't go down very well with us and uh, we're now on episode three so are they starting to get the act together Ed? i don't know you see you and i i've seen your comments on episode three i thought episode three was far too disjointed it's like have a six minute video have another six minute video here's another six minute video it had no overarching thing um it was just throwing stuff at the wall see what stuck i feel thus far the best of these three has been the second episode I thought that that actually that cracking film about the McLaren at the beginning, um, some interesting messing about with the uh, the SUVs as sort of overarching theme. I, I actually quite liked that. I thought that went. I thought that was pretty pretty effective. And uh, as I've mentioned on a, a number of places, I honestly the use of guests in that sequence it it further emphasised not only with this iteration of Top Gear but with the previous iteration of Top Gear how weak the guest in the studio section is. Yeah, I I don't think it's. And and it seems to be overly long now because there's two mm. guests or three guests and yeah for me I would cut that bit out completely. Um, I really enjoyed the films, but like you say, it, it was almost like well we need to get the two new boys in Chris Harris and, and Rory Reed. We need to get them on the main show. They're doing a cracking job on Extra Gear. I don't know if anybody's caught up with Extra Gear, but um, there's some really interesting stuff on that. Uh, going behind the scenes, there's a lot more of Sabrina and and, and the other people in that. So yes, I agree with you. It was it was a little bit disjointed, as in look at this film, look at this. The Ken Block thing was really quite funny. Yeah, I think Matt LeBlanc. I think he's actually he's turned it around for me because I thought, why the hell have they got him in? But I love his dry humour. I love the fact that he's, he's wet. It, it's just I'm finding him really funny. The one I don't like is Evans, and I I just do not like him whatsoever because he can't talk cars. Um, when he's describing the the track, um, you know, going round the track and stuff like this, it's He's not technical in any way, and he doesn't have to be overly technical, but at least Clarkson was, was quite humorous with his comments. And he just shouts. don't know if anybody else has caught that, but it, everything has to be an enthusiastic shout. Yes, let's be, let's be excited. Yeah, it's, 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 I mean, obviously, I suppose that the problem is that they just don't, they don't really have any time. I mean, if we, we, we consider that the, the first series of the hangar-based Top Gear 
has almost been completely expunged from history. They were sufficiently unsatisfied with it. Um, I just, I, I dare say, they don't have the time or the uh, or the patience of others for that to be the case. Um, there's still a degree of experimentation going on, so we'll, um, you know, I guess w- w- we shall see. It's looking, um, it's looking better than the first episode. I thought the the first episode was not good. That was a mess. Yeah, there's no was, question. It was not good um, at all. Um, so yeah, like you say, we'll see where it goes. Um, I think there's only the two of us on on this podcast that are interested anyway, Ed. But it's interesting that Chris Harris has been given his own internet channel on the Top Gear website as well. So well, you know, we're let's getting... face it, he's he's quite good at that. Yeah. I mean, I need to stress that um, obviously by the time this goes out, it will have happened. But I mean, I have been. Um, we're now into the full Le Mans qualifying and practice phase, and I will be. All ready and good to go at uh, at uh, two two o'clock on the uh, on the Saturday and uh, yeah still greatest motor race on earth absolutely fantastic wet qualifying last night was absolutely magnificent <laughs> that's <is> so wrong <laughs> that just does sound a bit iffy <laughs> oh, qualified for wetness <laughs> <laughs> well it wasn't it it was night qualifying one but it was done in torrential rain is that is that sponsored abs- by Pampers? Yes, it was. Uh, well, actually, ten a lady. Um, they, 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 they <laughs> out. At least wet rather than I, I think your lightning strike, Ed, is having effects on on the audio quality on this podcast at the minute. There must be some some uh, energy still in the system there because uh, you're you're sounding quite electric. Am I? All oh, right, fine. Well, Withers down. Yeah, but look, again, if you had yeah, to Withers, he's in 1955. Yeah, well, he's permanently 1955. Mind you, he's had. Yeah, mind you, he's had two weeks off where he hasn't been bullied, so he should be feeling dapper, you know? Yeah, much better, thanks. <laughs> he sounds yeah, almost convinced. That's the whole fact. <laughs> yes, darling, I'm fine. <laughs> Go away and think about what you've done. When, when you said about bullying, I, I sort of flinched for a second. Like, you know, when kids, you, you faint to hit somebody and then you whack them <laughs> with, with the right hand and smack them with the left when they're not expecting it. I was just waiting for the uh, punch. Uh, okay, well, well, we'll turn our attention to Hodge and we'll bully him for the next week. Did uh, Before we go on, did uh, boys, and this is really aimed at Ed, Ed and um, Hodge, oh, how good is season six of Game of Thrones? <laughs> uh, well, finally, finally, it's starting. I, I thought it had a real lull in the middle, if I'm honest, after... After the episode entitled "The Door," yeah. um, uh, and but now it's 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 looking like it's going to be a, a healthy end three episodes. Oh, I looked at the trailer for next week for the Battle of the Bastards. Oh my god, it's a great title <laughs> for an episode. It's it? gone. <laughs> that almost sounds like the AV Forums podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great title for an episode. The Battle of the Bastards. <laughs> John Snow against Ramsay Snow. Yeah, I'm Ramsay. enjoying this one more than any since I don't know seasons two, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, it's been a really strong. And, and what's the uh, boob to bum ratio on this one? Minimal, minimal. Actually, yeah, and also for for fans of equal equality nudity, there was a scene, a scene a couple of episodes ago which just started with really, really, really close up shot of a of a knob. That <laughs> <laughs> end basically right at the camera. <laughs> Shocking, even for yeah. me. What do you mean, even for you? Are you but used to no, seeing no. stuff, watching stuff like that, Steve? <laughs> look at the mirror every day. That's going to be. Well, I don't look at it in the mirror every day, Mark. <laughs> Perhaps you do. <laughs> right, I think we need to move things along. Right, you need two mirrors anyway. Rallies. Right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, let's move on. Uh, hardware news and some new AV receivers were launched in Malta. It doesn't seem like the, the the right place to do that. It is if you're going on a jolly, but AV receivers normally live in dark rooms. Yeah, with projectors yeah. and everything else, or, or big TVs where 
you, you're antisocial and you sit and watch movies. Uh, it was obviously a jolly, Steve. Absolutely not. It was a hard-working three days in Malta <laughs> during the sun. Yeah, hey, 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 hey. And- <laughs> you're talking to somebody that's been on a on a den in a Marantz trip before. It's one morning of work and the rest of the time you probably, yeah. yeah. Whenever I go on one of these press trips, Laura always says, you know, are you offered to a trip to the island of Freebie? Um, <laughs> and this time I was actually on an island as well. So it, it, oh, it really was the island of Freebie. Um, yes, uh, in Malta, and you're right, Phil, there were a few demos in some quite dark rooms. I tell you what, when you walk out of one of those demos into bright sunlight, it's, it's quite shocking. You appreciate did, it. did you have your heart there? Because I, I know that I like, if, the sun t- if the sun to touches borrow. your head, you just explode normally. I had to borrow the PR's hat. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> he had hair, so I thought my need was greater. But, um, did you not sell hats on Malta? Well, yeah. Did you give it back at the end? or did Yes, you I did. I did I'll keep it now. <laughs> Anyway, so yes, off to Malta to see the new line. Now, obviously, um, and I, I sort of sympathise a bit with, with Denon and Morantz because last year's lineup was particularly strong. Um, you know, in terms of feature set, they're the, as far as I'm aware, still the only receiver manufacturer that does both all three formats, so Dolby Atmos, DTSX, and Oro 3D. So they were doing all of that already. They also had full support for um, HDCP 2.2, HDR, um, Rec 2020. So, you know, their, their receivers were well-specified, well-featured, and, you know, future-proofed. So you're kind of thinking, what can they do to add this year? And I think they were aware of that fact, too. So they were very much pushing the whole idea of, you know, improving their performance because the feature set was already pretty solid. In terms of the lineup that they've got lined, um, in terms of, sorry, in terms of new features, then what they have managed to squeeze in this year, are certainly on the two top-end Denon receivers and the top Marantz receiver and the Marantz processor. They've added in, in Heos. So Heos is, is Denon and Marantz's, um, it's actually branded Heos by Denon. And it's their multi-room system. So what they're doing is basically taking that from a separate brand and also integrating it into some of their other products as well, much like uh, Yamaha have done with MusicCast. So Heos is now going to be in, in, integrated into certain products of theirs so you can use it as part of a multi-room system, which is great because Heos is a really good system and I quite liked it when I reviewed it. They've also got um, the latest version of Odyssey so what's happened is Odyssey basically dropped the Odyssey Pro aspect, which was where you would buy a expensive kit. It was quite expensive, like five hundred dollars, I think it was, for a calibrated mic and a stand and all this other stuff that you could, you could so you could do Pro installations with Odyssey XT32. And it does make a big difference because I've used the Pro installation. Yeah, it, it, stuff is it, it quite effective? Yeah, yeah, it really. It's it's far better than that little uh, plastic microphone that yeah. you get because you're using a proper, you know, calibrated microphone and stuff. So it's a degree. A couple of degrees better, I would say. I don't know how they're going to get around the aspect of the microphone because obviously this is this is a new app that they've launched. It's called the Odyssey app. It, it allows anyone, including uh, you know your, your average user, to actually take advantage of a lot of the features that were in Pro on this app. So things like seeing more, you know, you've got more control over the over the um, EQ. You've got more more graphical um, you know interface to see what's going on. Um, it's going to be available in October, I believe, for nineteen. 99 euros, so something about 15 to 20 quid, I guess, um, which is a lot less than you would have paid for Pro. So I think you still have the aspect of having to find a, a calibrated mic, but the um, releasing it as an app, obviously, that's a step towards you know the modern age, I guess. Um, but I think it will be quite will go down well with, with a lot of users because it will give them access to a lot more functionality with Odyssey than they currently have just through the receiver. So that's an interesting new feature. Yeah, I mean that that's that's going to add another degree of. Uh Complexity, but performance as well, if they're adding yeah. the pro stuff. It'll be interesting to test that out and see exactly yeah, how it works. Yeah. Now, I should stress that this is only going to be on the new stuff. Uh, presumably, this is because it's, it's, it's 
introduced by Odyssey themselves. So if you've got existing AVR from Denon and Marantz, I mean, even the X7200, which is still going to re- remain the flagship for Denon for this year uh, and into next year, um, that, that's not going to, that won't have Odyssey apps. So that's only going to be on the new receivers. In terms of the lineup, um, interesting for Denon, they've got uh, a new, not exactly flagship, because I said the X7200 is still the flagship model, but just below that is the X6300H. So the H denotes it has HEOS built in. It also has 11 channels of built-in amplification. So that's great. You've got a, a single box solution for immersive audio. And I reckon that's going to go down very and well. What, it's 1,000. What are they seeing in terms of power? Uh, they're saying 200 watts per channel. Now, <laughs> I, I suspect that is not the case. <laughs> and might be per one channel <laughs> being driven to the limits. Yeah. Um, yes, I think they're interested to see how powerful it actually manages to be with all those channels built into one single box. And it isn't a huge receiver either. It's smaller than the 7200, which uses mono blocks anyway. Um, but £1,899, um, suggested price. Yes, it's coming out in October. Uh, and I, I think that's going to be very popular. I think. I well, think, I, uh, I did the X sixty two hundred last year. I, I reviewed that. Actually, I reviewed it this year, back yeah. in April. It, it's a tiny little box compared to other AV receivers. Um, I found the the actual size of the unit I, when I put out the box. I'm thinking, mm, this is not going to drive the M and Ks. Deceptively small looking. And I've got to say, one of the most powerful uh, little AVRs that I've used in this room with, uh, like I say, running the M&Ks and running the Teufel speakers through them. Uh, both of them, four, four on loads, although the M&Ks are, are a bit more sensitive, but had no problems whatsoever driving them. Um, and certainly was on, on a level par in terms of power output to, to the reference uh, 3050 that we have in here from Yamaha. So, um, yeah, it, if they keep it running that way and... and can get add another what was it it was nine channels the yeah they've added two more basically so if they can add two more um to that and it's the same quality then um it shouldn't have that many issues driving to be honest no. and, and four of them are, are obviously going to be smaller speakers anyway either yeah. upward firing or placed on the ceiling yeah i mean yeah i think i think uh i think this could be a Big seller for uh, for Denon. I think I think it'd be very popular with, with the, enthusiasts. The only thing with Denon, I don't know if Ed will agree with me on this one as well, because um, we have to, you know, um, let everybody know that Ed's passed with Yamaha and so and so. Um, but I always find Denon to be quite a warm sounding AV receiver. Have you found that compared to the likes of Yamaha and so on? Um, to an extent, yeah. Certainly, the the, the the more premium models, I always felt was a bit a, a bit warmer and a bit fuller. Um, although not cat, not catastrophic. Not let me try that as a sentence. Since um, uh, Yamaha switched to the the current chassis, which they've used for the thirty thirty, thirty forty, and now the thirty fifty, and uh, later on this year the thirty sixty, it's to the ba- the basic layout is the same. I think that they've become a little bit less sort of warm and cuddly and at the same time um although i haven't had as much time playing with the latest iterations of Dell AV receivers as you guys have i've not actually for example heard one in my own room only in some other people's i felt that they've sounded a little bit they've also sounded a bit more um uh, a bit more sort of grunty whereas conversely uh, since they switched to class d i think that pioneer av receivers have become an awful lot warmer and smoother than they used to be they used to be quite aggressive um yeah. and that yeah. shape that now literally leaves really that leaves onkyo as the last people that do a real in your face 
pin you to the sofa sort of presentation, which can be quite exciting for sort of short listens, but I tend to find it gets a bit fatiguing over time. But I think both Denon and Morantz have... I, do, I would agree with you to an extent, Phil. I, I just think that over the last couple of years, I think that, that actually moving in different directions, it's now increasingly difficult to get any real... To, to, to make real claims about all oh, what that's X and that's Y, I I find that actually Pioneer, Yamaha, and then the DNM receivers they're they're actually quite quite consistent across across all of them now. It's interesting what you say about the the pioneers, the the most recent ones. I haven't heard any of the most recent ones. The last, but the last one I really heard in great detail was the Susano. Remember that one, the big flagship, yeah. and it was the first one to use Class D, um, ice power as they called it. Yeah. Um, and and that sounded amazing. So if if that has moved into the pioneers, like I say, I haven't heard them recently. You have Steve, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LX yeah, and I had one. And it was it was um, it was powerful but refined. I think were the words that I used. And and I agree with Ed totally that, that there's been a shift away from what they used to be very very muscular in your face performance to something that's a lot more refined from Pioneer. And I was very yeah, impressed with the LX89. They used to Pioneer be really, really quite thrown a lot of money at Class D, and it really mm. is paying off. And yeah. their stereo amps are using it as well, and are just as effective. Cool. So that's uh, the Denon Morantz launch uh, in Malta. The pieces are up on the homepage. They'll still be there when you listen to this podcast um, on the Monday. Obviously, we're recording yeah, this Yeah, can I just Friday. say, somebody read both articles. It says deja vu there. It's not my fault. It's just Denon and Morantz. Obviously, it's the same group, <laughs> D&M, and they do use the same platform for all. They do sound different, but they use the same platform for both Denon and Morantz. So there is a lot of similarity between the two lineups. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, and uh, like you said, it was one side of the room was Denon, one side of the room was Morantz, yeah. which is always the way that it happens at these launches. Yeah. And, uh, and they had a fight yeah. halfway through. It really <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that bit yet. But but yeah, uh, they're famous for one morning of work and then the rest of the time spent in the sunshine. So nice to see that they haven't changed their routine when it comes to press uh, press trips, Steve. And that you had a, more time on a boat than I did in the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you see, I, prob- I probably had better weather the whole week than you did up in Scotland. Oh, you, you were insanely lucky with your weather last week. <laughs> just a bit but not not so lucky with the midges because uh, i was bitten to hell but there you go that's what you get this time of the year up there uh, so let's move things along and sky cinema is launching with uhd movies included tell us more mark so it's this is a rebranding and upgrading of uh, sky movie offer so it launches on the 8th of july uh, it'll cost you nothing more if you're with uh, sky or virgin package um and it's it sounds quite exciting i have to say i've, I've only subscribed to sky movies uh, very briefly through now tv on an offer and i wasn't very impressed with the quality to be quite honest but uh, this is quite this is sounding quite tempting um first of all they've um, a 75 increase percent increase of, of premieres um so they're showing one every day now uh, so it's uh, that's quite good um but, but is it really because you know is if it a, i if don't know if they're showing it, a new one it works out in practice i guess if it sounds new, quite good it, yeah it? it's going it's to be straight to video rubbish a lot of the time isn't it really if you think about it because there's not that many movies released i was going to say yeah there isn't that I mean one a day <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they've, they've also they're going into a bit of world cinema, aren't they? Which obviously gives yeah, a bit well, of there you more, go. You know, it's premieres. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's some, that's something else they're adding is the uh, the world cinema slot. Well, they'll be stealing be... some of those quality releases off the Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, some of them have been pretty atrocious. That's fantastic. They must have spent thousands of dollars on that, and most of it on the catering budget. There was one about dinosaurs or something or other that just happened to be flicking through the channels, and oh my god, it was bad. 
well, I, I couldn't I couldn't vouch for any of those, but the, the three they named as part of the World Summer is El Ardor from Argentina, Thebe from the UAE, and uh, Tangerines from Estonia, which I believe is... Uh, yeah, pretty, all high on my list of places. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're all looking to, forward to Thebe. So, so um, really what we're talking about is probably one major Hollywood release a week like they have been doing, and yeah, the they'll be filled in with, with tart they can get from elsewhere. Yeah. I'm not, and they're I'm also increasing the number of movies available uh, to, to around 1,200, which is, I believe, a 20% increase on what they've got at the minute. Is that on, on, on demand? On demand, yeah. Uh, and they're also uh, touting the fact that they're, only, they're the only subscription service that lets you download all movies. Um, I, I believe Amazon lets you download some. Um, I don't know how useful that is. It wouldn't be particularly useful to me, but I guess if you're going away on holiday or something, I'm going to keep the kids happy. That might be quite useful. I guess the most exciting thing... It would thing be useful is, for you. <laughs> It wouldn't be useful for me, but, you know. Even a good uh, no, they don't really sit and watch a movie, unfortunately. But even hyperactive. Um, uh, <laughs> the, probably the most exciting news is that Sky Q customers will get Ultra HD movies. Uh, I'm not sure whether that, that's at some, point. at some point in 2016. So but before the end of the year, which is good. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's another have, source. Have they and, said... And, have they said Netflix how many? Netflix are lacking in ultra HD movies. They've got good, you know, they've got TV programs, but not many movies that, for, as part of the subscription. Have they said how many? No. No, it's so, a bit so, light on detail, wasn't so, it? So, so again, once we cut through the PR, there's there's not actually a hell of a lot there. And, and At least have there's they, some. Have they said anything about the AV quality? Are they going to up the the compression rates? And are, are they going to add proper HD audio? I was just coming to that. I don't know about HD audio, but they're improving the dynamic range of the audio. I know we've actually had threads on the forum about this, um, complaining about the quality of the audio in Sky Movies, uh, how it's lifeless and dull. So they're increasing the dynamic range uh, in some unknown way. Um, but yes, they are improving the video quality of the standard. Time, isn't it? Isn't it terrible? Yeah, it's it's shocking. It's that, that's what bad. put me off subscribing. Really bad. Um, I, through a Now TV box, you get 720p um, at uh, 30 hertz output, I think, which doesn't look great. So I don't know whether they're going to do a proper... Um, well, it never, looked, it never looked great on the subscription channels because I had them for... I used to take the free offers now and again when I had Sky, and they all look really, really bad. Compression artifacts everywhere, a lot of blockiness, especially yeah. especially in mixed scenes where you got dark and bright in the same scene. Now. It turned into a blocky mess a lot of the time. Yeah, um, that, that was that was totally my experience of Sky Movies, to be to be quite honest. So they're obviously they're, they're, they've made changes to their their encoder, and hopefully they're going to be up in the bit rate of the output as well. So we'll wait and see how it looks, but uh, it sounds quite promising. Um, and that's about your lot, really. It's I suppose it's something. I mean, it would be nice if there was uh, more of a sort of timeline for some of the promised features. But I, for one, am looking forward to some uh, top-flight Estonian cinema. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> does oh, there's going to be more pop-up channels. Before. You know, when they um, have feature channels like they start, they have a Star Wars channel and a Harry Potter channel and uh, various actors and. Yeah, um, a Marvel pop-up channel. I don't know. They like they tend to last for sort of a month, six weeks. Is that right, Ed? I don't know. I'm not altogether sure. Yeah, it seems to vary. I mean, I, I have to say, I. It's interesting talking about the quality issues with um, Sky Movies. I have found on the relatively small screen that I use, um, the picture isn't isn't stunning. It's it's sufficient. Um, where qualitatively they have been dreadful is, I mean, the the sonic mix is is all over the shop. Um, I've essentially had to put in a set of presets 
on the AV receiver for watching Sky Movies, which essentially jacks the center channel up a good sort of seven or eight levels over where it would be for um, any more sort of conventional viewing. It's, tr- I mean, the, the the quality of dialogue reproduction on it is is truly appalling. Um, so any improvements there, I mean, to the extent where this isn't me being an AV snob and, um, you know, get it being critical of it. My wife has basically said we might as well cancel this because it's fundamentally unusable. Yeah. Which um, is, well, yeah. It's terrible. See that in Absolutely the advertising terrible. then? <laughs> <laughs> Fundamentally unusable. <laughs> Looks like to me, I mean, I'm not a Sky customer, as we all know, um, but reading that press release, they basically rebranded it and they're trying to give you something they should have been giving you in the first place, i.e. Yep. some picture and sound. Which, and yep. then and also promising something down the line, sometime never. Oh, and by the way, Ultra HD at some point. No mention of uh, HDR or anything else, just Ultra HD at some point. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got all this already at home on Blu-ray in superb quality, so I couldn't give a monkeys. Okay. I can do a Star Wars season if I want to anytime I like. <laughs> Good for okay. you. Okay, so that's Sky. Moving things on swiftly, and uh, you don't have to go into this in any great detail, Steve, because the review is up there for people to read. Um, but the KS9500, it's Samsung's flagship TV. We had the exclusive. We did, indeed. Uh, much to our surprise, we got the exclusive worldwide, I believe. Uh, the UE65 KS9500 Ultra HD 4K TV, SUHD as they like to call it. Um, obviously, in terms of feature set, essentially the same as the 9000, but the big difference, obviously, is this has got a full array backlight with local dimming. And um, um, if you'd seen last year's JS9500, um, which was a stonking telly, um, probably the best of the, up there, certainly the best one or two of the LED LCD flagship models. Um, really great, ahead of its time, in fact, because a lot of its performance you know, would have met the standards for this year's Ultra HD Premium certification. So that was a, I think, um, from Samsung's perspective, they had to sort of like, well, what can we do next? Because, you know, we've already got a really good TV. But this one takes it to the next level, refines it, um, stunning picture quality, uh, really effective local dimming, lovely screen uniformity, tiny bit of banding on the football, I have to say, but I've yet to see uh, a TV that uses a full array backlight with LEDs behind the panel that hasn't got a little bit of um, banding. I think it's just inevitable because of the nature of the fact that the LEDs are directly behind the panel in rows. Um, so there's a little bit of that, but um, not excessive. Um, and overall, yeah, absolutely stunning. performance. fantastic performer with Ultra HD, HDR. Uh, really looked good. Really impressive on that. Things like the Revenant looked absolutely stunning. Um, so all, all in all, a very, very solid performer. Um, yep, yeah, 9 out of 10 across the board, in fact, I think on the scores. And highly recommended. Fantastic telly. Okay. And uh, obviously middle of the month at the minute. So what else have we got coming up before the end of the month TV-wise from you? For me personally, we've got the finally <laughs> LG 55C6 arrived this week. Uh, and at some point, possibly during recording this podcast, the 75-inch DX94 from Sony. Okay, cool. So let's move on. Let's go to E3. It's the biggest gaming show of the year, Mark. And um, what are the big headline news to take out of this year's show? Big news from E3, hardware-wise, would be Microsoft showing off new Xboxes. You've got the Xbox One S, which is a smaller revised version of their Xbox One console. Reported um, to be 40% smaller, um, nice slimmed down, but I guess... From an AV perspective, the the biggest news would be it's going to have a UHD Blu-ray drive in it and HDR compatible. And that will be not only just for um, films, but also for games as well. So they're going to be pushing things like uh, Gears of War 4 and Forza Horizon 3 to take advantage of HDR. 
it's also rolling out fairly soonish. Um, you'll have three different S SKUs. There'll be a 500 gigabyte version, which is touted at $299, a uh, one terabyte version at $349, and a two terabyte version at $399. It'll be the, the latter variant that will be out in August. So they're, they're obviously staggering these releases. And also what piqued my interest was there's no connect port on it. So they're kind of finally cutting off the old style Xbox One and trying to almost draw a line underneath it. No great bump in terms of power. There will be a minimal processing upgrade, but apparently that's not going to be used for games at all. That will literally just be used for helping upscale and with HDR. Other than that, they were kind of pushing cross-buy, cross-play, things like that. Um, but then uh, I hadn't expected to see it, but Project Scorpio, the, the kind of next version of the Xbox One, has uh, was shown off well at least it was uh, touted six teraflops true 4k gaming that's questionable uh, should be out late next year um, various forms of kind of mixed messaging uh, no one's fully sure whether there will be exclusives for this how much it is a console that's going to be backwards compatible or how much they've designed it with forwards compatibility in mind but they're also jumping on the vr bandwagon and so yes should be an interesting year ahead from them Okay, well, it looks like um, Ed's lightning strikes having a, a effect on the, the Skype quality there, uh, Mark. Either that, or, or you've got a rubbish internet connection. How dare you? Possibly a combination <laughs> of the two. <laughs> and I bet Steve's got something to do with it because Steve always has something to do with it. Right, so um, that's the E three roundup. I guess the interesting thing there, guys, is uh, HDR and four K coming to the consoles um, and the price points. That these yeah, consoles are going to be big news. I think. Well, forget the gaming stuff. If you can get an Xbox One for those kind of prices with a you know, Ultra HD Blu-ray player and your HDR support built in, compared to a Samsung UHD player or a, pa a Panasonic UHD player, yep, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it? how embarrassed must Sony be? <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> Frankly, they must be they're looking like right idiots at the moment, aren't they? I mean, you invented the format and you can't even deliver a player, and they're but sticking in Xbox One. But bear in mind that the cheapest variant of that xbox one s might be out around the same time as the playstation 4k ps neo so you know it, it seems very much like microsoft have reacted to this and quickly put out put something together um but yeah it, it is slightly embarrassing for sony as you would think that they'd be kind of leading the charge on that front what might put me off as for the xbox being a player is is the noise because even though the Xbox One is considerably quieter than the 360, it's, it's not it's not what I call quiet enough to play a disc. So we'd have to wait and see about that. Hey, just turn, just turn the audio system up. <laughs> I can still hear it. I was going to say that's that's actually one of the kind of selling points for me for the Xbox One is the mine's kind of absolutely whisper quiet. Is it? Should yeah, yeah, send, yeah. Maybe I should send mine back. <laughs> no, send yours back. That's that's one of the kind of main things. Everyone oh, it's definitely know. not a whisper quiet. Didn't either. even know you had an Xbox One, Mark. I thought yeah. you had a PS4. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. No, I got an Xbox. It'll be interesting to see though whether the One S is still as quiet, simply because the it's whole frame. Well, forty percent smaller. Um, at, yeah. To start in power with, supply. Yeah, that's a bit of a, a strange claim because I'm assuming that a fair amount of that is to do with the the fact they've internalised that power block. So it's a little bit like a man eating his own foot and claiming that he's slimmed down or something. You know, it's it's just a little bit odd. Um, it doesn't look, from various different angles, it doesn't look that much smaller. But that's going to have a huge effect on on heat in, for the internals of the console. But at least this, uh, sad as it sounds, one thing I'm glad to see is that they've stuck on a front front USB port and a proper power button. Other yeah. than that, you know, that's... Is it only available in white? 
Yes, it looks That'll like it's covered in. Right off, frankly, it looks think. like it's covered in diamante as well, in a weird way. <laughs> designed by Liberace. I'm not linked up by Liberace. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they'll bring out other colours. They're bound to. Not mm. not at launch. Let's say. Anyway, Play it down the line. I do think that the you know the the um the release of a, a relatively cheap and compared to the two existing Ultra HD Blu-ray players, a relatively cheap games console with Ultra HD Blu-ray built in, that's big news because that's going to really help push it as a format. I think. Yeah in my opinion but um you know because up to now they have it has been relatively expensive plus also not only have they been expensive but they've been difficult i know that for example the ub 900 is out of stock it's just sold out i've got a friend of mine who's been trying to buy one for months and just can't get a hold of one so clearly there's limited supply and they're expensive so having microsoft shipping out those of xbox ones with ultra hd blu-ray built in would be case. Uh, anyway, that's that's E3 Roundup, and to round up on hardware, Ed's going to talk about audio, specifically uh, Apple Music, and what's happening with it, Ed. Uh, in audio terms, ironically, not a huge amount. Um, this was uh, something that was flagged up from the Apple Developers Conference. Um, I, I don't watch that on a live basis. It's just it's I, in the same way that I don't watch evangelical preachers. Um, I yeah, find both well, things fair. I, th- I think between the four of us, we could all come up with the buzzwords that they use. Yeah. Oh sure. Um yeah. but nonetheless uh Just don't after, drink the Kool-Aid, that's all. <laughs> well, after uh Apple Music has been in the market roughly a year now. Um and uh there were there were some changes announced to it. Um now most of these are interface based and if you wanted further sort of fuel for the fire that Apple has ceased to become uh has ceased to be a true innovator and is now generally speaking, a, 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 a very, very competent reactionary company. There wasn't a huge amount to dispel any of that thinking in terms of what they've done to Apple Music. Most of the changes come to uh, slimming the interface down. Um, all this talk about the um, sort of interface with the artists and the rest of it, that specific sort of channel section, um, that's not going away but it's being hidden off the main interface but the good news is and this is a this is a big deal i'm sure for all of you listening here is that um the uh, there's now a lyrics function so you can sing along um i mean i for one am just just over the moon with that um it, it was telling and not altogether unexpected but uh it's abundantly clear that apple sees um spotify as pretty much the competition and these uh the alterations are seemingly geared to making it a bit more like spotify and 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 sort of making use of some of the features that spotify has seemingly found quite successful ed i know what you're saying about the lyric feature but it used to be when i bought a new album there used to be lyrics in the gatefold or whatever and you would sit and actually listen to the track and the lyrics because you wanted to know Sometimes, yeah, especially yeah. if it's a Manic Street Preacher have song. Have a look at YouTube, YouTube video hits for like lyric versions of, of you know music videos, often above the actual official music video. Yeah, because people want ridiculous. to know what the song's about. They want to yeah. see what their legs are. You can't hear the, the words pants. these days. On, 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 the on occasions, I, I am intrigued to see what someone is saying. But then generally speaking, I'll just say, I'll type in song name and lyrics. And they instantly, I've got it. Um, it's not something I have ever been listening to a streaming service, and I got. I absolutely must see the lyrics now. But if you're having a karaoke party, 
Um, I'll tell you what, for years, I thought motorcycle emptiness was modus I call emptiness. <laughs> <laughs> and also in, um, in wonderful, It's a Wonderful World, where he says, and the dark, sacred night, I thought it was, and the dogs say good night. <laughs> Yeah, there's a whole Peter Kay sketch on uh, Miss Hair lyrics, which is, if you haven't seen it, yeah, uh, have, it'll have you in tears. Yeah. So I think it's fair, safe to say that it was highly unlikely that they would make do something like offer us a significant step up in quality. But nonetheless, it was pretty timid what was offered. Um, so it does seem to be that it's now fundamentally a case of just offering some widgets to go with your compressed music and we're good to go. Um, I mean, I will say one of the products which is being reviewed this month, actually it's a pair of them. Um, it's these little audio quest dragonfly DACs, which plug directly into your computer. Uh, immediately they have benefit. I mean, Tidal has got a, uh, it's got a setting in windows and I believe on, on the Mac as well, where it can, it can uh, communicate directly with the USB DAC and bypass the, the kernel audio um, of the actual operating system. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is a very big, you know, simply removing notification noises from your music is a significant one. And I don't think that's a particularly expensive or complicated one. But to the best of my knowledge, Tidal is still the only service that offers that, um, which, you know, it, it's not, we're not even talking about necessarily make, jumping the benefits to, to lossless and all that that entails. Just there's some really simple quick fixes, which other services don't seem to bother with. Anybody interested in the karaoke mode then? Well, Only surely if, had a lot to drink. if it isn't, if it isn't a pure karaoke because it's not like it can remove the lyrics. My kids might be, and Mark. So Mark, no, I'm not really. Mark, you'll be staying well away from it then. Yeah, she's probably getting it touted to her through her iPod anyway. She'll be on at me, no doubt. She's got a title on there. She can make do with that. <laughs> she can make do with title. <laughs> make do with title. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's our hardware news for this week. Uh, we'll move on to our fleet because uh, have we got a review? Mm, maybe yeah, we'll we have. have. Yeah. Movie reviews next. <laughs> so, what's at the cinema, Steve? What's in the cinema? Oh, Gods of Egypt, which. Um Will doubtless be appearing on on Sky Cinema quite soon as a because <laughs> it's rubbish. <laughs> One of their daily premieres. Yeah, um, it opened in the states uh, about three months ago, so it, it's, it's taking its time to get to this country for good reason, which is it didn't do very well in America. Um, Mark saw the trailer, I think, you say to me yesterday. I saw the trailer. I didn't really need to read your review. I almost knew what it was going to say before. Before. Yeah, I um, yes, it's uh, it's a fantasy film that takes. Um, as a basis for its plot, Egyptian myths, uh, and then turn, builds a story around that. Now, in principle, that doesn't sound too bad because, I mean, I think most of us are probably not familiar with Egyptian myths. Therefore, there'd be a whole new series of, of creatures and characters and situations that they could bring in that, that would be new to a majority of worldwide audiences, apart from maybe people in Egypt. Um, unfortunately, a couple of things here. One, it, despite being set in Egypt and being called Gods of Egypt, almost the entire, well, actually the entire cast is Caucasian, apart from one character, um, and no one in it is remotely Egyptian. And then you could say in the case of the gods, that's fine, because they're nine feet tall and clearly in, in morph into giant armoured um, animals at various points in the film. So you could say, well, they're not really human beings anyway, but uh, I'm assuming all the mortals are meant to be Egyptians. So the fact that they're all you know Aussies, basically, because that's where it was made in Australia, um, it's a little bit insulting, so I think it's culturally slightly insensitive, but I can accept, I wouldn't really give a damn about that if it was a good film, but unfortunately it's, it's just a classic example of a modern modern blockbuster or attempt at a blockbuster. 
you know, it's it's vacuous and soulless. Um, it's, it's joyless. It has no charm at all. And with fantasy, I think the key ingredient has to be charm. If you look at uh, Jason and the Argonauts with the original Clash of the Titans, you know, yes, the effects look a bit ropey now, you know, the old stop motion. Yes, the acting is a terrible and the plots aren't necessarily the best, but my God, they were packed with charm. And and you just really enjoyed them. As a kid, I absolutely loved them. This is just CGI fest. Everything looks fake and CGI and even the even the real people don't look real half the time. It's just, you know, it's just that classic example of a modern film where they just, oh, it's a wash with CGI to try and make up with the fact it hasn't got a particularly good story or good dialogue or even decent acting. And the cast, uh, well, but Gerald Butler, who, let's be honest, hasn't done a decent film since 300. He should get a new agent. Basically, he's just hanging around doing his usual Brian Blessed impression, shouting a lot. Um, you've got uh, Nicholas uh, Walder Costo. I can't remember that's his name. Costa Costa Waldau, thank you. Yes, Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones, who's the note we're running back with his tail his legs to go back to that show again, where they do fantasy properly. Um, and a few other characters, but it's got a large, I mean, it's got people like Brian Brown, because it's made in Australia, Brian Brown and Jeffrey Rush pop up and probably should know better. Um, but the weird thing is, it's like anything, when you take uh, something um, mythical and, and magical and make, and make it literal uh, on screen, it often just looks silly. So the sight of Jeffrey Rush basically rowing, a, you know, sailing a ship, towing the sun around a flat earth just looks faintly ludicrous when you actually see it on screen. Um, so, yes, uh, no, no charm, no fun, no good. <laughs> there you go. Okay. At least you're honest, you know. And Although, I will say, uh, uh, the Ultra HD Blu-ray, absolutely spectacular. But, um, <laughs> that but, 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 now, but now we're back to the old... Yeah, it was a it was a terribly yeah, crap good. film, but yes, we're going to buy the disc because it's demo quality. Oh, uh, the the DTSX soundtrack was blimey! Right, so <laughs> I'm I'm assuming that you have bought this then on oh, disc. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you realise that they will never stop making dirge like this. While well, you go, well, actually, I know, it's I know. much fun to watch just poking my myself in the eye with a drawing pin, but the quality's really good. Well, because it came out in the States two months ago, it's obviously hit Ultra HD Blu-ray now, and coincidentally, it came, I got it this week, and obviously it opens at the cinema today as a day of recording it. So I thought, that's convenient. <laughs> I'll do the cinema review then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it looked and sounded stunning, but um, not a great film. Yeah, so so one for but there's so few UHD discs that I imagine it's going to do pretty well sales wise. It probably will. <laughs> Whether people will get through the entire film is another question, but it probably so. Yeah, that, that doesn't set a very good precedent, that does it? If it's still making money. Actually, we'll, we'll come back to when we do the roundup. I'll, I'll talk about what's coming out because there have actually been some decent announcements recently. So there's some good stuff on the. Okay, market. right. Uh, so this Friday, what can we um, go and see? And I've got, I've, I've got a funny feeling the soulless that soulless CGI fests. Yeah, but I've got a funny <laughs> feeling that Ed might actually go to the cinema to see this one. Uh, that's very dependent on um, uh, just events not pertaining to the film uh it, it, I've, I've secured uh the, the the promise of childcare to go out and see it but it depends if if um if uh, the, the boys have to, has to have a fairly significant in, injection the day before so we'll see how he's doing but i this this film i don't know i i'll be interested it, it hinges on whether it's charmless or not i guess it's the kicker for this yeah if, if it's fun and charming even if it's silly like well, I, I, I hope it's I don't silly. Mind. I want it to be, I, I mean, so stupid. I think it's a safe bet. It's good. I've seen the trailer. <laughs> I mean, the spaceships this time were the size of the moon. Yeah, but, the, mean, the, <laughs> but the, the fact that, again, uh, I'll keep coming back to it, but I still haven't seen an explanation for it. Brent Spiner's character is suddenly alive again. Mm. Well, my Ultra HD Blu-ray of Independence Day arrived uh, this week, so I'm going to watch that on Saturday and then um, and then go and see it on Thursday night when it opens. 
So we'll see if they can, can conveniently explain his resurrection. Unless, of course, he is just a second coming. Maybe that's how they save us from the aliens at the end. Although, like the way Ed said, you know, not, events not pertain to the film. What, you mean like an alien invasion? Is that what <laughs> stopped you from going to the cinema? Anybody else excited about this one? Mr. Borry? Uh, no. Hodge? No, not especially, no. I, I, I remember that. I quite enjoyed the original one. I went to the cinema to see it. I won't be going to the cinema to see this one. but The original was great fun. And, and you know what you're going to get from an Emmerich film, don't you? Yeah. I mean, before that, what was it, Stargate? Actually, speak, Stargate was the film I was thinking about when I was watching Gods of Egypt. Because, well, they did it right. They had, you know, Egyptian god myths mixed in with that uh, and in a fun, charming way. That, it did make me want to watch that film again because I thought, well, actually, that, that was how they, that's how you do it. That was fun and entertaining and a bit silly, but, but it still had a degree of charm to it and a likeable cast. Yep. Always important. Yeah, no, it's, it's, still a, it's still a good film. Yeah, so basically we can pretty much be rest assured that Emmerich will blow up some world, world, world monuments and landmarks. <laughs> if there's <laughs> any just, left, because I think it's... London in the trailer, so that's one gone for a start. But, but I thought he'd, I thought everyone was trashed in the first movie again. Yeah, i got to say, he hasn't got much left. He hasn't already smashed to bits, has he? <laughs> Maybe we've rebuilt it. It has been 20 years. I'd 20 like to see the, the guy on the Houses of Parliament putting in the last brick. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. Oh, come on. Yeah. It took him 10 years to rebuild the... Well, not rebuild, but replace the Twin Towers. So I think, I'm thinking 20 years... <laughs> I thought probably, you were going to see uh, the Death Star. Well, <laughs> well, they did that really quickly, didn't they? Second one, they did... <laughs> must have used um, more, more contract workers on that, I think. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah. so yes, yeah. Independence Day resurgence um, will be on our, hitting our screens in a week. I, yeah, I'm intrigued enough that if if I'm completely and utterly bored, I might actually venture out. <laughs> That's a great testament, isn't it? If I've got <laughs> nothing else to do and I'm really bored and I've got you know that it's my last resort, I might go and see Independence Day resurgence. Hey, I can't can't make any more promises than that. Busy man, you know. Okay, so. Um, what can we buy on Blu-ray if people are still buying Blu-rays and not going to UHD? Yeah, that's true. Uh, for those that still buy Blu-rays, um, actually not much out this week. I don't think I don't think that's anything to do with Ultra HD Blu-ray. I just think it's quite weak. But um, the only film of note that's coming out is um, Eureka, I believe, who are releasing a uh, the film Enemy Mine. I don't know if anyone remembers that from 1985. I've got, I can I it's can picture the impression of Harrison Ford. Yeah, I can film. picture the cover, but I. I, I I'm not sure whether I actually watched it or not. I'm I did sure see I had it. it on I remember quite enjoying it. Uh, although it was a slightly strange film. It's basically about um, a human star pilot who crashes on an alien planet. Or you know, oh, I've have, seen that. With an alien who shot each other down, basically, and they sort of have to survive by becoming, becoming yeah, friends. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. And it's Louis Gossett Jr. in makeup, looking like a, a sort of a lizard, basically. And um, he gives birth, um, not through anything to do with Tannis Quaid, because um, <laughs> it's one of the species that can, you know, um, like procreate a, a, asexual, I guess. Um, and then Quaid has to help bring up the baby and all this sort of stuff. It's a strange film, but um, charming in its own way. Um, what I don't think Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid, yeah. He's been quite a lot of stuff, doesn't he? Yes, yeah, used to be a bit of a star, and then <laughs> it's fleeting fame, isn't it? Next thing you know, you're, you're doing commercials. Anyway, that's out this week. So if you're if you're a fan of that film from the from the mid '80s, and I can't believe it was 31 years ago now that it came out, that's that's really terrifying. I've got I've got to say, so talking 20 about years, 21 years since Independence Day, or no, 20 years since Independence Day, it's just scary in itself. Talk, talking about actors that used to be famous and now doing commercials, I really quite like the Baldwin advert at the minute. 
have, I don't know if BT seen. have actually managed to get some uh, good, uh, uh, <laughs> good, good, good performances out. I mean, the Ryan yeah. Reynolds one was quite amusing <laughs> as well. Yeah, no, it's. I don't know if you've had the radio commercials. I've seen the TV ones, but I had the radio on yesterday in the car, and uh, he was doing um, Ant and Dex. The lyrics to Ant and Dex song was hilarious, really funny. And what? Let's get ready to rumble. Yeah. <laughs> watch us wreck the mic. Watch us wreck the mic. Psych. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> so, uh, sadly, just the one film this week, um, Enemy Mine. So, if, if that's something you remember fondly and want to watch again. And if you Blu-ray. want to um, read the review, the review is uh, the in, review. in the movies section. In the, yes. Sorry, the Blu ray section. You can go and read that. Uh, Simon did that one. Right. So, uh, UHD Blu ray roundup, Steve. Yeah. Um, it's been quite a few uh, announcements since we last uh, had a podcast. Uh, Basically, we, we, I think we mentioned already that uh, Universal piled in with their first uh, list of films, Lucy, uh, Lone Survivor, and The Huntsman, and Best of All, Oblivion. Uh, Warners have announced some more titles. So they've got, uh, coming out in mid-July, we've got Man of Steel. Um, we've got Batman vs. Superman um, Extended Cut. We've also got Watchmen coming. Um, so there's basically three Zack Snyder movies that they've got coming out in the middle of July, which is interesting. I, I, I know I've seen, um, well, I've seen Dolby Vision screening of Batman vs Superman which looked absolutely stunning and um, we've both seen scenes from Man of Steel uh, in demos which also looked very impressive so that's they should look great uh, this week Paramount released their first two titles which is Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness really really annoyingly Star Trek Into Darkness was shot with a combination of 35mm IMAX and the disc does that annoying changing aspect ratio bullshit so it, it cuts from 35mm to IMAX now obviously in terms of picture quality, the IMAX stuff should look absolutely stunning on Ultra HD, but I just hate it when they shift the aspect ratio because they just leave it in one aspect ratio and then just shift between the formats. But anyway, that's out. In terms of uh, other news, The Martian, which was the first double dip of Ultra HD Blu-ray, that came out two weeks ago um, as an extended cut. Uh, but interestingly, Fox um, did include a Dolby Atmos soundtrack, that, which wasn't on the original release. So um, it looks like Fox are really getting behind immersive audio in a big way now and using either Atmos, if it's if it's an Atmos mix available originally from the theatrical release, or if there isn't an Atmos mix available, they're going for things like DTSX, because Independence Day has a DTSX soundtrack. Um, interestingly, the attach rates for um, buying players with people buying new TVs, is, is, this is the States rather than here, but in the States at least, 50%. So 50% of people buying a new Ultra HD TV have also been buying an Ultra HD Blu-ray player, which I think can only get better with the news about um, the Xbox One having one built in. So certainly there's there's a good, uh, obviously people have realised, you know, if you want to watch stuff on your new Ultra HD TV, that's the best and easiest way of doing it. Is uh, that so a that's, lot, though, sorry, but is that a lot of people buying them or is that there being a lot of kind of incentivised deals and bundles? that as well. Because certainly um, Panasonic have been doing a deal in this country with the, um, if you can get hold of one because it's sold out, but you, the UB900 was being offered at half price as a, as a bundle with the DX902. So could be that. But I do think... Uh, you know, everyone's talking about would it be a success, but I think it's actually been, relatively speaking, considering the Blu-ray itself was a bit of a niche, it's actually been quite successful. Other big news in terms of uh, players is that Oppo have been sneak, you know, very very subtly plugging their upcoming player. It looks like it's going to be released on 19th of January, uh, and they're definitely working on an Ultra HD Blu-ray player of their own. And they sort of left, had, had a, a screenshot of a of, a, of the of the display with it saying, um, you know, um, 1 2017. So it looks like that's when they're going to be either announcing it or launching it. So that's interesting news for those of you who are fans of Oppo. That's a and long also, tease, isn't it? Yeah, hell of a long tease. 
any any Dolby Vision? No mention about that. So, I mean, it's interesting that Oppo didn't mention that, but I think a lot of people are thinking that might be the case because it's obviously it's it's going to have the it could have it could have the right chipset. Interesting that Xbox One doesn't mention anything about Dolby Vision, um, so I'm guessing it, it doesn't support it. Um, but Lionsgate yesterday, um, yesterday as a day of re-recording this podcast, announced that they are supporting. Now they they said they're supporting Dolby Vision. They didn't mention anything about disc specifically, and we've seen quite a few studios announce support, but it's been streaming based. So uh, I know Warner's do on a streaming basis, and other studios have, have sort of said they're going to be supporting it. And and but what there is still a distinct lack of is any kind of announcements regarding an actual Dolby Vision encoded uh, Ultra HD Blu-ray disc. I guess so, there's no point until there's a Dolby Vision player. Well, there's, that's probably a factor. Yeah, absolutely, that's a factor. So we we'll have to wait and see what other what comes out in terms of hardware. Um, but because but it's quite a lot happening though in the you know within that space, there's there's definitely a lot of traction and more titles being announced and um, a lot more day and date releases coming from. Studio. Basically, it looks like the only studio now that hasn't said a damn word uh, is still Disney. Which is a little bit annoying, considering you know that they own Pixar, Lucasfilm, and Marvel, um, but they haven't still haven't said a word about the format or what their plans are. But uh, everybody else is on board um, and seems to be supporting it quite, quite, quite um, aggressively in some places. Certainly, it's the case of Sony and uh, Warner's and, and and Fox particularly are very behind the format. So, okay, well, thank you, Steve Weathers, European uh, PR spokesman for the Ultra HD Blu-ray <laughs> <laughs> format. Okay, so uh, that's a UHD Blu-ray roundup. Um, let's do competitions now because we forgot to do it at the start uh, before we go into our movie chat. Um, so, Mark, uh, what have we got competition-wise? Uh, current competitions, we've got a copy of Stephen King's The Mist on Blu-ray and that's available to active members until the 28th of June. So you better get your skates on. Uh, we've got the Noon VR headset and that's open to all members until the 30th of June. And then probably the best prize, uh, or, or multiple best prizes, are five pairs of Cubacoustics BT3 Bluetooth speakers and that's available to all members until the 13th of July. And I've heard those, and they're very good. Yeah, like and almost everything Q Acoustics makes, they are ridiculous. Yeah, they're really good. And free is an astonishing price for them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, congratulations, guys. Uh, Steve, you've uh, t- officially turned 50. Well done. Uh, it's no, your birthday today. <laughs> You're denying it. You're not 50. I'm not, denying, I'm not, so I can't deny something that isn't. Yes, I'm 49. Oh, you're 49. Oh. oh. And it's a coincidence. Mark uh, shares the same birthday as me. Yeah, I'm 46, just for the record. Are you really? Yeah, I will. But you look a lot older. He's <laughs> 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 got more bloody hair than you. Look a yeah, lot I've got boys good you, for, boys to be good fair, look. there are serious Burns victims that have more hair than you. So. <laughs> <laughs> My paying for this abuse was extra. <laughs> no, like I said at the start, you know, it's two weeks, two weeks free, so we've got a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> it's got to really, really bring the big sticks out. <laughs> All right, let's get back um, to some movie chat. So, Star Wars news. Uh, we always have a bit of Star Wars news because it's uh, another big year for the franchise with Rogue One coming out in December. But lots of rumours of uh, it possibly being in trouble, Steve. Yeah, just after our last podcast recording, uh, news broke that um, the first cut had been of Rogue One had been watched by executives at Disney and they had asked for four weeks of reshoots. Uh, which four weeks is a long time, by the way. I mean, most films only shoot for about eight to ten weeks. So 
that's a lot of reshoots and and that started a whole rumor about you know that the film was in trouble that they didn't like it that it was too dark too grim scenes with with vader were brutal which sounds great to me mm. i mean i thought the whole point of these anthology films was to do things that were totally different from the star wars films but they want disney apparently wants something that's going to be more that matches the star wars films tonally better because apparently this film is going to uh, end running right into Star Wars. So ten, ten minutes Wars. ten minutes before. Ten minutes apparently. I don't know whether that's true, but yeah. So like, okay, I, I mean I'm presumably uh Gareth Edwards has made the film he set out to make and agreed to make with uh um with the studio based upon the uh based upon the screenplay. But there was talk about Christopher McQuarrie being brought in to help him direct it. Um although that's untrue. Christopher McQuarrie Christopher McQuarrie, who wrote The Usual Suspects, did uh do a rewrite on the script. Um, at the very last minute, so apparently Gareth Edwards was, was working with a changing script, which can't have been easy for him. Um, there was, but Tony Gilroy, who wrote the Bourne movies, has come on board to help out with the rewrites. So, Bink, what they're trying to do, by the looks of it, is just adjust the tones. And now, just the tone slightly, so it's a bit lighter in places because apparently it was quite grim and dark. Um, but, but that's now, what I want to see. Uh, that's what I want to see. Want to see. I know exactly. I'm thinking that's good, isn't it? I mean, that's exactly what I wanted to see. So, I mean, so, so maybe, the trailer, didn't they? so maybe Lucas was right all along and putting his own money into these things and making the films he wanted. Although the prequels were bloody awful, uh, yeah, but, nothing, it's, but it's still he didn't have the the studio the interfere. No laughs in that film, is there? That's pretty grim. Yeah, but but he didn't have studio interference. You know, no, exactly. Anyway, the thing is, I think this has all been over, blown out of proportion. I think you know, it's it, the plan was always to do a rough cut, check it out, and then and most modern films now will schedule a period of reshoots to you know pick up shots, fix a few things, change things in the edit, this sort of stuff. It's, it's pretty common. They did it on a Force Awakens, for example. What's unusual is the length of time. Four weeks is quite a long time for reshoots. But apparently, what happened was they were supposed to do the reshoots earlier this year, but they got delayed. And because, you know, the cast members will go off and do other things, they're all working on other films, getting everybody back together again in a, in a two-week period was impossible. So they've had to do it over a long period because they couldn't get all the actors at the same time. That's apparently what's actually happened. So what happened is probably things aren't quite as grim as were being made out on the internet. It's just, you know, they're, 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 they always plan to do reshoots. They may be adjusting it tonally as well um, to bring it more in line with Star Wars. If it's going to end 10 minutes before, then you don't want a massive shift in tone, do you, really, from something that's going to go straight to another film? So I think it's probably been blown out of proportion slightly. But uh, having said that, I was talking about it with a friend of mine, you know, and he said, you know what, Gareth Edwards isn't very good. No, no, uh, no. Is this mean? is this the same friend that you d- yeah, discussed earlier on? Yeah, right. Yeah, you've only um, got you've only yeah, got the one, haven't you? We, yeah. We both love Monsters. His low budget, tiny budget film he made. We thought, a great little film. Um, I don't think Godzilla's particularly good as my friend. And my friend said, you know what, maybe he just isn't a very good director with big budget stuff. Maybe they've realised that now and they made a mistake hiring him in the first place. And that's why they're going panicking. Could be possible. Um, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see. We'll find out in December. But I'm still quite optimistic it's going to be a fun movie. And, you know, the fact it's got Vader in it can't be too bad, can it? Yeah, I think the proof will be in the pudding. And, and like you say, I'll, I'll make my own judgments on it when we get to see it. And not, not that long away now, is it? Yeah, I mean, now June, so well, yeah. five, six you, months. You'll be queuing up for this one, Ed. Um, queuing? I, I try not to queue. As you know, I, I dislike other people at the cinema intensely. I'll go. I'm on a, your birthday. A, well, quite possibly. Is this um, IMAX only again? Or rather, sorry, is it at 3D only if it's in IMAX? Or is that... I have no idea. Do you know what I did know? It's interesting is that they shot some of it on 65mm. Um, I don't mean by that IMAX um, necessarily, but actually we're using ultra widescreen, you know, and um, 2.75 to 1, 2.76 to 1 um, Super Panavision, 
that they used on The Hateful Eight. Apparently some of this was shot um, using Super Vision as well. Maybe they just had spare film that was left over. Yeah, that I don't know. Yeah, opened it up, saw it was a bit different. Yeah, it'll do. <laughs> Gigantic lens on the front. <laughs> but, but at least, again, uh, it's been shot on film and not digital. So, um, mm. Yeah, no, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still really looking forward to it. Um, I'm quite excited, actually. I think a good old, good old war film, that's what we need. Okay. Again, we've run out of time, as always happens on these things. So my thanks to Mark Botwright. I could have been at a barbecue. <laughs> down the toilet <laughs> yeah uh, yeah you could have uh, Ed Silly oh god I hope they bring back Elvis Mark Hodgkinson time's up and Steve Weathers all you need is love yeah you can keep that to yourself uh, and a quiet setting on your mobile phone <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook bookmark AV forums for latest reviews news and video and of course you can leave us those five star ratings on iTunes uh, because next week is the end of the month so you've only got seven days from now to leave us those five star ratings and uh, tell us why you like the show I'm Phil Hinton thanks very much for listening and we'll see you next week after England have been kicked out of the Euros. <laughs>